Welcome to Live Lead and In Between. Today's topic, what qualifies a person to be in leadership, specifically in ministry? It's a big topic, so let's jump in. So I guess I should say that this is probably going to be a multiple part uh, podcast episode. Uh, We're going to talk about part one today. When I started diving into this, I realized really quickly that this is a very, very robust topic to talk about. And and a lot of times churches have their own standards uh, that are based on scripture. Some are solidly based on scripture. Some are loosely based on Scripture, uh, and Scripture is what we have to go on. But this is going to be a very robust topic, so we're actually going to do like an intro to it. Um, and where this topic came from, I was filling and filing back through some of the notes that I had uh, from uh, my, one of my previous positions where I served as an associate pastor. And uh, there was a document that we had been working on, and it literally the title was, What Qualifies a Person to Be in Leadership? So I began to read through that document, and I began to ask questions like, I wonder how much of what's listed here is in Scripture. I mean, there were a lot of proof texts that we, we had on there, but really, um, are some of these things just particular to the church, or are they uh, really found in Scripture, and, and are some of them uh, opinion? Because some of them can be opinion-based, like Literally, they can be opinion-based items that uh, would qualify a person for leadership. So what I thought we would do is actually take the statement, what qualifies a person to be in leadership? Because those are loaded uh, loaded items at, at any rate. So uh, let's start off with the, the qualifying word. What what qualifies a person? Uh, so you know, th- I'm going to give you a lot of scripture in this, and this is probably something you're probably not used to with this podcast. But since we're talking from a ministry standpoint, I think it's it's very uh, pertinent to the discussion, right? So First uh, Corinthians one twenty seven. This is the New Living Translation. I I, I tend to dig that one. Um, sometimes I use the message for the paraphrase, but today we're using NLT. It says this: Instead, God chose these things. Uh, these things the world considers foolish in order to shame those who think they are wise, and he chose things that are powerless to shame those who think they are powerful. And so when I think about the word qualifies, in the end, it is God who qualifies the called. He cho- He chooses. He, he qualifies the called, and it doesn't typically call the qualified. If you look throughout Scripture, you don't find a lot of qualified people uh, in positions where God is using them. You have people who are called, and then God qualifies them. So so just that word by itself, that that qualifies uh, word, is, is a big thing. Because a lot of times in ministries and churches, uh, though we're supposed to have spiritual eyes, we have very secular eyes, and we look at a person's natural abilities and talents, and we think, oh, this person would be great for this because they're good at you know numbers. This person would be good at this because they're just good with people. And sometimes those things are spiritual and sometimes they're, they're not. And it's our job to actually dive into those things and determine what they are. Because um, in the church world, you're occupying uh, physical positions, but it's a spiritual thing that you're dealing with in this, right? So what qualifies? So God calls the qualify, excuse me, God qualifies the called. So the next uh, part of this is uh, it says what qualifies a person. Now I wanted to be very clear about because some some churches some people look at there's a couple scriptures that at, that talk about women not being involved in in ministry um, and and you know this this word person I think is very specific and I think we should always use it because it means male or female 
And Scripture celebrates both males and females in ministry and leadership. And, uh, you know, there's often this disclaimer that churches will use found in 1 Corinthians 14 and, and 1 Timothy 2, 11 and 12, where, you know, women are told not to do certain things uh, in in ministry. But, the, you know, context is king here. Uh, and when you look at the contextual history of who those books were written to and the society they lived in and the, the goddesses that they worshipped and the disproportionate um, relationship that women had in society over men, you, you begin to understand why uh, the writer Paul is actually making some of these statements because other times he's celebrating women, right? Um, so when I the reason I, I, I don't really necessarily have an issue when it comes to male or female and when it, this word in person is it, we find in Galatians 3.28 – that there is no longer Jew nor Gentile nor slave nor free. And then it says male or female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus, right? So what qualifies a person, any person, male, female, to be in leadership? God, he calls. And then he qualifies those he calls, and they can be male or female, because in Christ Jesus there is no uh, male or female. We are, we are all one in Christ Jesus. And then... To be in leadership, the word leadership itself, we should first understand that leadership uh, is a thing as well as a strength. Leadership is for service and not to be motivated by like selfish motivations or intention. And if the desire of the person to be in leadership is selfish or the motivation is selfish, then they need to really quickly take a back step in a back seat and kind of pause that process. And if you're in that discerning process with a person about being in leadership and you pick that up, you need to pause that because you'll find up you'll, you'll find out very quickly that someone who has that motivation in leadership will wind up causing a lot of hurt. All right. So remember, I said this was going to be a bit of an introduction, and I'm basing this off this document that I've that I've got, and I've kind of worked through it. And uh, this particular church that I was at, I'm not going to name the church, but um, they had some specific requirements when it came to be a leader. Now, in part two of this, we're going to look at scriptural requirements because uh, scripture is very very, very specific when it comes to the position of elders and deacons or overseers, that kind of thing. Um, and, you know, those things can apply to some of these. Uh, but, you know, el- you can be an elder and, and and lead, or you can be the leader of a ministry and not be an elder, right? So kind of want to walk through some of these and, 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 and kind of throw my thoughts out when it comes to, um, in order for someone to be a leader at a place, what, he or, what I believe that he or she must do based off, off scripture. Uh, one of the things that this church that I was at had a requirement for was if you were going to lead or have influence over a ministry or a group of people, uh, they required that you be an actual member of the church. Now, at the church I'm at, I actually teach the membership process. I, I help people through that, and I've got a three-class system that we work through. Um, but a lot of times I'll get the question, is church membership a biblical thing, right? Where in, where in the scriptures does it actually mention uh, church membership explicitly? And uh, what you'll find is it doesn't necessarily mention church membership ver- verbatim in scripture, but there's a lot of implications and implying going on throughout the, the scriptures themselves, right? Um, so one of the things that is implied, it, it talks about submission to, the, you know, to those who are in authority over you, uh, submission both to positional and given authority. Now, if you're not uh, committed uh, to a local body, then who are you submitting to? Right. That that's one of the the potential uh, implied moments, and 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 just in general, membership shows a commitment to that local body that you've been called to serve. And church membership, uh, you know, though it's not explicitly mentioned, 
it is a very biblical concept, and like I said, it is inferred by scriptures requiring requiring submission to, to those who have authority over you. So, you know, one of the requirements that this particular place had was church membership, right? Because you're going to have influence, you need to be bought into what's going on, and you need to be bought into the vision of the place and, and kind of be ready to go with it. Um, another requirement that, that they were asking uh, was submit to the authority of the senior pastor elders and pastoral team. Um, now, this may be different based off your church structure. I mean, some churches are pastorally led, team led, and others are uh, lay led, right? And so wherever the leadership structure lies, there's authority there. And submission to that uh, is a big, big deal. Um, and so every your church is organized, this still kind of plays a, a pretty large role. And you can pick up in scriptures in Hebrews 13, 17, it says, obey your spiritual leaders. Um, they and do what they say. Their work is to watch over your souls, and they are accountable to God. Give them reason to do this with joy and not sorrow. That would certainly not be any benefit to you. Now, that's a scripture that kind of talks about you know trusting and and whatnot. And I've been in positions where people have not given me reason to 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 have joy with stuff. But I will say, uh, for the most part, most people do, right? And I try to make it a joy for those who I, uh, who are over me spiritually uh, to lead me in that, right? Now, now I always want to make this statement. When we talk, we talk about submitting, submission. Submission is almost a dirty word when it comes to uh, the United States and uh, the Western civilization because, you know, we bow to no earthly king. That's the, that's the thing, which is we, we shouldn't. But there's this very big, you don't tell me what to do, kind of mentality in the Western world. And there are two types of authority, and we can do a whole other podcast on this, but there's positional and then there is given, right? Positional authority is one of those things where you actually have a position and that position gives you some uh, authority over over people. Now, it could be anything, right? You could take the, the position of uh, let's just take a, a ministry position. Let's take the position of senior pastor. That is a posi- position of spiritual authority. Uh, it is a positional position authority uh, mechanism. Uh, but then there's also this other thing where people have the opportunity to place themselves under your authority. That's given authority. And I'm going to tell you, uh, positional authority is one thing, but given authority is a whole other ballgame because when people literally place themselves under your authority, they're choosing to, to give you that authority uh, spiritually over them. And so when we talk about submitting to authority, we're literally talking about one of those two things. The other thing that comes up when we talk about submission to authority has to do with abuse of power because authority is just delegated power, right? So when we think through submission to authority, submission to a delegated power, there's that thought that comes up, like I said, that there's there's can be abuses. And what I always tell people is, you know, as long as the person who has spiritual authority over you or that you've given spiritual authority over you is following scripture and not being abusive, then continue to submit to their authority. Now, if they say something that doesn't jive or you don't feel like is a part of what Scripture says, then you need to look that up for yourself and you need to work through it for yourself. But at the same time, Scripture says that all authority is placed in the position that they're in by God himself, right? So it's one of those tight ropes to walk, but no one is saying cut a blank check to someone to follow them blindly. You know, we're not talking about drinking the Kool-Aid. We're literally talking about you giving authority to someone else and then that's spiritually over you, but also keeping that authority in check through the scriptures because we are talking about what qualifies a person to be in leadership 
uh, in ministry, right? So, uh, so that one was uh, submitting to the authority of the senior pastor, elders, pastoral team, or lay led uh, church. However, that's that's set up. It's about trusting the leaders in that. So, the next uh, requirement they had as a, as a way of introduction is that they asked uh, that people regularly, if you were going to be a leader in this particular ministry, you wanted to regularly attend a weekend service, right? Uh, I, I always had this um, this thought, uh, and, and I've been at places where they've not had this thought, but the Sunday the church gathered, the moment where we're lifting up Jesus as a congregation, that's, that's our Super Bowl, right? And we have all kinds of ministries that rotate around that, it's kind of like that's the sun and all the ministries are the planets. Everything that rotates around that is, is fantastic, but um, none of those other things are the actual actual thing, right? It's that weekend service, that that time where we're all gathered together and we lift up God's word, right? Um, so it was it was something that was required there, and I, I actually agree with that. Um, you know, Hebrews ten twenty four through twenty five says, "Let us think of ways to motivate one another to acts of love and good work, and let us not neglect our meeting together as some people are some people do, but encourage one another, especially now that the days of his return are drawing near." And that's that's basically saying that you know, let us and 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 I even tell people in in my membership classes that I run that when you are deciding to become a member of the church and call this church your home, we would rather you not consider this your vacation home, the home you visit every once in a while, because that hurts the witness of the church if a member doesn't attend, right? If it doesn't, if, if a member doesn't attend, because if you're not going to attend, then why bother joining or why bother leading? And your authority is diminished when you don't regularly participate with the rest of the church and activities and weekend services, right? So, <clears throat> excuse me. So it was regularly attend a weekend service. And uh, the next one was um, be active in your discipleship journey. And, I, I, you know, you can't stress that enough. Everybody's at a different place in their walk. But being active in that shows growth. It shows movement towards a specific direction. Does that mean you have to sign up for every single thing the church offers from a discipleship standpoint? Absolutely not. It means where you're at right now and where you where you believe that Jesus is leading you through the Holy Spirit, you work through that with fear and trembling, and you decide uh, with his help and discernment, what discipleship steps you need to be engaged in. But be engaged in discipleship. Don't just sit around and wait for some, some wait for that growth to happen. Growth growth requires movements, movement, right? Um, so so being active in your discipleship journey, and then serve in an area of ministry, right? Serve. Uh, we are called to serve. Uh, Luke twenty two twenty seven says, "Who is more important, the one who sits at the table?" Or the one who serves? The one who sits at the table, of course, but not here. For I am among you as one who serves. This is Jesus talking. He's saying service is the the, the biggest thing. And then the last requirement for those who would lead, for those who would have influence over uh, a, a group of people spiritually, was to faithfully return their tithes and give of their offerings. Now, there's a whole thought out there that tithing is of the Old Testament and we're in the New Testament, which is all about grace. But what people fail to realize with that argument is that tithing, yes, that was the law. But when you get to grace, you have statements that Jesus makes like, you've heard it said not to commit adultery. But I tell you that if you even look at a woman lustfully, you're committing adultery in your heart. What that tells me is that, yes, there's the law, but grace goes above the law. So grace goes beyond tithing. Grace goes to giving and offering and generosity and things like that. So at the minimum, this particular church that I was at was looking for for leaders to be faithfully tithing. Now, you 
can go two different ways with that. You can go real religious with it and understand that, oh, you know, if someone's not tithing, there's probably reasons. It's not that they're, um, they just don't like the place or that, that they don't believe in what God has to say about tithing, but it may simply be that they've gotten themselves into a situation either through a fault of their own or no fault of their own that they're unable to do that, that 10%, that they're going to have to work up to that 10% as they take care of some of the financial mistakes that they've made. And with God's help, that's that's possible. And there's grace for that because Jesus came both with truth and grace, right? So you can, you can have the truth that we need to tithe, but you also have to have the grace with that. So, so those were the um, kind of um, intro bullet points, per se, of what qualifies a person to be in leadership. Um, and then they stepped in, and I love the next thing, and I actually, if I ever pastor a church, I would consider adopting this, this particular um, motto. There, was, there were four Fs of leadership, and these four Fs, and we'll get into this in the next podcast, because I think, I really do think that these four Fs are really important for leaders, but these four Fs um, are are important to the bar of leadership, right? They're important to the bar of leadership. And and I'm just going to go ahead and give you what those those are, and then we're going to spend either the next podcast or the next couple of podcasts going through each one of these uh, Fs, so to speak, for leadership. And the number one F was faith, right? Faith was the number one F. The second F of leadership was family, faith and family. The third F was finances, and the fourth F was freedom. And I'll be honest with you, that that is quite possibly the most important of all the, the Fs that, that were listed there. So, so let's just real quick recap. There was faith, family, finances, and freedom. And I think actually what we're going to do with this is the next podcast, we're going to cover uh, faith and family and talk about what a leader should look like. And we'll dive into the specific scriptures that talk about elders and deacons and things like that. So uh, with that said, I'm going to go ahead and uh, I'm going to call this podcast. We're at 18 minutes. I don't want to have it go on forever. Like I said, this is a very robust topic and I uh, want to give it the treatment that it needs. So be expecting the next one to pop up next month. And like I said, faith and family is what we're going to cover as a requirement for, for leadership. And we'll cover some of those scriptures as well. But until next time, this has been Live, Lead, and In Between. Be absolutely blessed in all you do.